Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with Ken Alston. Hey, Ken, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show and uh, talking about kind of one of my favorite topics, actually. Uh, Ken is a partner at Circularity Edge, which is a consultancy advising businesses on the shift from the linear economy to a circular economy. And we'll talk about what the good things are in that circular economy or where we are, the positive notes that we see today, as well as some of the ongoing challenges. But before we get there, Ken, tell us a little bit about yourself in your career? Well, basically, my career has been in two halves. The first half of my career after graduating the university was working in, in business, in, in particular in global multinational uh, consumer product business. And so for 20 years, I had a, a sort of a, a conventional but also unconventional corporate career, working my way up the corporate ladder. Um, I ended up um, jumping from business side to R&D, technical to marketing in a rather unusual way. Most people are either in one, one stream or the other and, and don't mm -hmm. look up. I actually had the opportunity to do both. So I have a, a good mix of working in manufacturing, you know, on, on the ground, doing the actual making of things, uh, working as, a, as an R&D uh, manager, managing the development of the next generation of products, but also as a marketing manager, introducing those products into the marketplace. So I have a very broad background that I think helps me communicate to all players within, a, within an organization because I have an understanding of their roles and what they have to do because I've done it. Yeah. And then along the way, while I was, while I was doing that work in the corporate world, um, I started working on things around sustainability, which started coming in in the late 80s and early 90s. And I was very early, thankfully, I was very fortunate to be early in the corporate sustainability world because the company I worked for at the time was a leader and, and, and stepped up and was one of the first to, to begin to practice corporate social responsibility, corporate sustainability. And uh, along the way there, I ended up hiring a consultant uh, based here where I am now in Charlottesville, because we ran into some roadblocks. And um, so, you know, in, as, as one does in business, one hires consultants to help you think outside of the box. And um, in the end, that consultant seduced me out of my 20-year corporate career to come <laughs> and, uh, and work with, with them, which is why I'm here in Charlottesville. And uh, for 17 years, I ran a consultancy firm here, uh, working on what's now called the circular economy but at the time it didn't have it didn't have that that name yeah so let's go deeper on uh circularity edge and and what that circular economy is it, it's a phrase that gets bandied about a lot these days uh and certainly it is a shift but why don't we just kind of give a simple and maybe a deeper definition well, the, the simple definition, sort of two things we need to define. One is sustainability. And the classical definition is doing things today in a way that doesn't prevent future generations from meeting their needs. So it's a very intergenerational, future-oriented concept. And the idea behind concepts is simple. Right? They're meant to make you have a change in mindset 
And so the simplicity of the concept is, is important to get you to get that mind shift. And the same true with circular economy, which is really understanding that today's economy, the today's business model is essentially linear. We take materials, we make things, we market them, sell them, use them. And then at the end of the use, we throw them away. Mm -hmm. So we've got this linear throughput model, which is leading to a lot of waste and it's not sustainable with the amount of population we have in the world. Um, and so the idea is to more like mimic nature where nature is essentially sustainable. You know, right here, it's the end of fall, beginning of winter. And so the leaves are falling off the trees and you might be upset that your, your garden is full of leaves, but inherently <laughs> it's not wasteful, right? Because we know the worms and the bugs and the molds and the mushrooms are gonna take that waste of the leaf and take it back into a natural cycle safely. And it's available in the soil as a nutrient for, for next spring when growth starts again. And so nature is inherently circular. So how do we do all the things we do in the world today, in our modern world, in this more nature-like way, in a more yeah. circular way? I love that. And I know that there are some specific areas, Ken, that you're excited about, that you guys are focusing on a little bit more. I think we spoke a little bit about the shareable economy. Just be curious to, to hear about the work that you guys are doing in that space. Well, there are, there are a number of different uh, circular business models that begin to work in a different way than this linear throughput model, which is where we're stuck today. And um, one of those is called the sharing economy. We don't actually have to own everything. You know, we've over the years, we've come to own things, right? We're both recording this through our computers and mm -hmm. we probably own those computers. Well, why? Why do I have to own the molecules of this thing that's in front of me? I don't have to own it. I actually only want the service of it. And so why can't I have a different business model where instead yeah, of- I mean, I, I do think that some people have embraced uh, some aspects of that, certainly Airbnb. Um, I just rented a car uh, the other day. I, I'm going to totally blank on the name of the company. I want to say it's Turo or something like that. It's a it's a <clears throat> rental well, car. These are company. examples of the sharing economy. Exactly so. Yeah. So you know, someone has a, a home in a city you want to visit, and they're not using their spare room or even maybe the whole apartment they own. Um, you can rent it for a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever you want you're sharing someone else's assets. So mm -hmm. why don't we take that idea of there are assets that we own, some that we want to own um, and share them. I mean, that's what they're doing. Why can't we do that with other things? Why can't businesses do that? Um, but but even, even beyond that, the sharing economy, there's this idea of products as a service. I don't need to own the computer. Why doesn't Dell or HP or whoever you're buying your computer from, why don't they always own the molecules in the computer. And then when I want to upgrade, I just give them this old one back and give me the new one with all the latest gadgets and gizmos and features that I want. Mm -hmm. um, but then the materials don't get wasted because I don't know what to do with an old computer. But if they designed it knowing that they were getting it back, then maybe they'd be able to reuse some of the parts and they'd build that into the design thinking from the beginning and we wouldn't have this issue at the end. So there's a number of these different business models. And the one that's exciting me right now, as you said, is, is the sharing economy. And I'm about to launch some um, sharing platforms like, like an Airbnb equivalent, but for business to business within a city, because I okay. think ultimately all sustainability is local. 
Mm -hmm. uh, your computer is in your city. My computer is in my city. So what happens next to it is a local question. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not going to dispose of my computer in your city, or it's not going to be reused in your city. Ah, yeah. Right? So we, there's a real local element to this, which is important to bring to bear. I love it. Over the years, I've heard some examples of great sharing economy type businesses. And I do think that it has been a, a logic leap in economy, which is not shareable, not sharing focused to for some people to get there. However, I mean, I would say that if anything, we've learned over the last decade, the sharing economy companies like Airbnb and, and others have done quite well, uh, albeit I suppose the challenge has been maybe the pandemic recently where maybe sharing was feared because of the virus, et cetera. But maybe that, you know, that what I would argue is that's certainly faded. And, um, you know, you're speaking some, to someone who we got rid of all of our fixed offices over, over COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a global deal with a, a shared workspace company. And I don't think we'll ever go back. We're, you know, the company we work with has 4,000 locations why would I prohibit my colleagues from working where they want to work when they want to work? It's a much, much more sustainable system and, uh, and, and better for everyone. Think about the stuff, though, that was in offices. I mean, or, well, let's think about, let's imagine you're, you're a manufacturer of something and you have an R&D department and you, you, you have an idea and you need a rapid prototype. Mm -hmm. Do I have to buy a 3D printer to make a rapid prototype? Or... Do you think probably within any given city, there's probably one, two, three, 10, 20, 3D yeah. printers that are sitting, not being used 24 seven. So why, why can't that be shared? Right? Rather yeah, I agree. Than just owned. I mean, I, I may own one because I, I need one on a regular basis. I may need to use one every day, but it's still not used 24 hours a day. So why don't I have an Airbnb equivalent for my 3D printer? And then somebody else across town who has no idea that I have one that's not being used could actually find me mm -hmm. with a simple search, just like you would search on Airbnb for I'm going to, I don't know, Medellin, Colombia for, for, for a vacation. Well, let, let me ask you another question, because I remember uh, it must have been maybe seven or eight years ago, I met with a company that was selling or had built a, a sharing economy business about sharing um, kind of household items with your neighbors. So, you know, screwdrivers, hammers, corkscrews, whatever, <laughs> you know, and, and I don't know how that business ended up faring, but I guess I'm, what I'm trying to get to is what have the challenges been for those companies? Uh, and, and why have more not become kind of just household names at this point? Well, I think some of that is those small items like, like that are, are, are literally neighborly things. Mm -hmm. they're not, they're not, I'm not going to go across the other side of the city to get a corkscrew. So I think, I think there's a certain element of, of proximity that you have to have for, for, the, for those lower value items. Ah, okay. Um, my idea is more to work with the business community because I think there's more higher value added uh, right. opportunity there. And you know, whether it be, you know, I don't need to have a, a mechanical digger if I need to dig a hole. 
I just have to find someone who has one that I can rent for a week, right? Um, and then I'd probably not only rent the machine, I'd rent an operator with it, you know, and things like that. So I think I think I'm looking I'm looking more at the B two B market. Yeah, I, I see that, and maybe some, some of the larger ticket items, definitely from the commercial community, uh, which is a lo- slightly larger. I understand. And I think so, businesses yeah. can see that value, just as you were expressing the value. There's a value to your employees for working from home, and there's a value to the company for not paying for space. You know, I think the value equation is easier to see within the B two B world. So over the last couple of months, uh, there certainly have been some big meetings around the world that are all about being more sustainable. And, and I'd just be curious to hear your thoughts on the broader landscape that we find ourselves as the world tries to shift from maybe more of a linear economy to this more circular approach. I think we have to come back to the to a couple of things. One is the question of why, why are we even bothering about this thing called sustainability? Um, and for me, you know, th- th- I've had chance through COVID to spend a little bit more time reflecting and thinking mm-hmm. because I've not been on the road as much. So I've been working more like this, you know, in Zoom yeah. and so on. Um, so it's been good from that point of view to have more, more thinking time. We all need a little bit more of that. It's tough, it's tough to get. Um, but I think for me, it comes back to what is sustainability? It's life. We're trying to sustain life on Earth and life not only for humans, but for all species. So when you begin to think like that, what is it I'm trying to sustain? Then you can go to the next piece, which is, well, who's going to do it? And I think the who is the question now, not the how. I think we've been focusing on the how and like the COP meeting in Glasgow, COP Mm -hmm. just ended, thinking about climate change and what we're going to do. So how are we going to reduce CO2 in the atmosphere? How are we going, the how becomes the the predominant thing. And I think the the question should be who. So that's what I'm trying to now is who is going to come and work with me and take some of these ideas forward and move them from the, the talking world uh, into the implementation world, because that's where we need to move. We have to have, we have, to have movement and we have to have action, but it's, it's who's going to do it. And for me, I think businesses are the ones that are most agile. Mm-hmm. So I think businesses will lead. I think governments will in this part way follow and they will also enable, but they're not so much the doers. I think the business has the, has the value equation piece, which enables them to move faster once they see the value. So the, the goals, the sustainable goals that were set by the United Nations, uh, they were perhaps, are you saying that they're, they're good kind of benchmarks, they're good things to theoretically outline, but the challenge now is basically doing it, finding that who is going to do at scale. Uh, is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah, it is. And, and the, the, the fact that there are 17 sustainable development goals from the UN shows you the, the just one little level of complexity. So we're talking about simple concepts, but complexity in the real world. And we have to remember that those 17 things aren't 17 siloed things that we work on. They're all interconnected. When I do work in one direction on one, it has an impact on all of the others. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we often find unintended consequences of doing one thing in one zone gives you, it's a positive there, but it's a negative somewhere else. And so we have to respect this complexity and interconnectedness uh, and really think through, you know, don't just do one thing in one area without thinking the other pieces. I'll give you one example. 
we can all say, let's move into clean energy. Let's take mm -hmm. you know, the build back better in the United States and let's <laughs> start putting solar panels and windmills everywhere. Well, okay, but what are we going to make them from? And what's going to happen in 15 years when the windmill blades are no longer functioning properly because they're you know, somehow worn out, which is what is happening with the first generation of windmills in Europe? Yeah. Where do these huge, enormous blades that are made of something go? Guess what? They're all going into landfills because right. we never designed any thought for what happens at the end of the use period. And so we, we're doing a good thing by moving into clean energy, but we're not doing it in a way that's sustainable. And so the, yeah. there has to be a coming together of sustainability thinking and circular economy thinking and marry the two. So it's sustainable circular economy. I can think yeah. of many circular economies that are completely unsustainable. Yeah, no, I, I've seen some positive steps happen in, and some of them have kind of reached almost uh, a point where it had to be rethought again because people had not thought it through early enough. Um, I know that in Spain they they were they were really leading the world for a while there in, in the use of solar power, and then suddenly the government <laughs> pulled back all of their subsidies. Um, I think just because it was a, an unsustainable structure and model that they had built, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you still need to have that infrastructure to, to store the energy and to distribute it efficiently. I think that's probably what we're facing here in the, the U.S. now. So hopefully that improves dramatically. Yeah, I think we go back to learning from nature. Uh, one of the other things I've done through this pandemic is I've, I've created a whole model which... Um, looks at what life on earth is. You know, there's a whole question if we're trying to sustain life. Well, what is life? And I, I, I've gone from, we talk about sustainability typically in a two-dimensional flat way. We draw three intersecting circles and say it's people, planet, profit. But this is flat. We have to make it three-dimensional to start mm -hmm. with. And, and add, this is where you begin to bring in the complexity. And then you can bring in the fourth dimension and you add time. Right? And so there's, there's ways in which we build this out. We start simple with the concept, but you've got to go into the depth, into the complexity. And when you look at life, there's a creation, there's a maturity, and then we, we don't go on forever. There's death. Mm -hmm. This happens to plants, it happens to animals. And then there's a, there's a you know, a, 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 next a circular generation. nature of the whole thing. Yeah. So how do we take that natural cycle and make a parallel technical cycle? And that's what I've been working on. I've got a whole framework for doing that. Um, well, you seem to have used the time very wisely during COVID, Ken. And I imagine that we all could learn from you in that regard. However, I'd just be curious to get your thoughts of how the area that you're working in has been influenced by COVID in a, in a positive way or in a, in a challenging way. Well, you know, I think it, it depends in a way, what your values are and what, you, what you're looking to do and achieve. Um, I love traveling. I love visiting different places. I love seeing new, uh, new, new cultures, experiencing those cultures, you know, tasting the local food, seeing the, the places. So for me, my work, which takes me to different places, is, is very engaging and enjoyable. Um, so work and play get intertwined in a way which is, which is great. Um, and so a negative for me is I've not been traveling. I've been doing mm. more Zoom meetings like this. 
Um, but on the other hand, I haven't been flying as much. I've not been putting as much CO2 into the atmosphere. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, you, you take your pick, you know. Um, but I, I am looking forward to, to real world meetings again, because I think there's nothing better than physically being there. You, you can have a good conversation as we are doing today, um, but it's not the same as being in a place. Because if we go back to what I said earlier about all sustainability is local, sustainability in Sao Paulo is different to sustainability in Charlottesville, Virginia. Right. So th these, these questions have a very local nature that can only be dealt with on a local basis with local people. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting, um, I'm triple vaccinated and so I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to. Yeah, travel. you're ready to travel. You're ready to get going again. I Absolutely. I, I completely understand that. And I share, I share that same uh, call it wanderlust that we had before COVID and certainly seeing things from different perspectives, I think always is good for uh, developing new ideas. And so you know, hopefully over the next year, two years, you'll be able to travel more. But in the sustainable space, whilst we, we do see some movement, I would say, from a bureaucratic level, uh, to, to support sustainable development and from a government perspective as well. And, and, and certainly I would say it seems like a hot topic at least by the Davos crowd. Uh, everyone seems to be talking about all of the right things. But you know, what, what are you hoping to see in the future? What, what, what would be, let's say, the, the, the beacons that we should be looking for to see if we're, we're getting this right? Well, I think we have to break down silos. I think I think we tend to operate in silos. We you know we manage things in 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 sections because we can get our minds around these subdivisions of things. Um, you know, when I when I talk in universities, which I do a lot of speaking in universities, you know, you, who am I talking to? I, I ended up one day talking to the School of Dentistry in a in a Bogota University, Colombia. Imagine. And they had no idea. I happened to be there to talk to the to the dean and the and the faculty, uh, first and foremost. But they happened to have the dental school meeting, annual meeting, and so they put me on stage for fifteen minutes to talk to the dental students, and they were completely bemused by this crazy guy who appeared from nowhere to talk <laughs> about sustainability and circular economy when they're, they're there to learn about teeth. But you know, there's there's something. And when they go out to work doing whatever they're doing in dentistry, they're using materials, they're using equipment. And so all of this thinking still needs to be infused into dentistry. But why, why is it only dentistry or biology or chemistry? Why are we siloed? Because one of the teaching techniques I used in, in my new work that I've been thinking about this last two years is, is fractals. Mm. I've taken the triangle um, and created, you know, not, I haven't created the fractal, but I've used the fractal of the Sierpinski gasket as a way of diving deep into a topic and, and bringing these elements out that we need to understand. And to do that, you find fractals in biology, you find fractals in, 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 uh, in architecture, in, in road layout, right? Roads branch one into another. Our, our, um, our, our veins and our, our lungs are all branches, our mm -hmm. fractals. So some of these underlying concepts are cross-cutting across all of these different disciplines. And so I think, I think we need to break down some of these silos and try and look, look across. And in that way, when we break down the silos, hopefully we get this coming together of all the different parts. 
Ken, it's been amazing talking to you today. I, on, I guess, a personal level, I hope everyone listens to, to what you have to say and, and starts to apply the work that you guys are doing. We've been speaking with Ken Alston. He's a partner at Circularity Edge, which is a consultancy that that works with businesses and individuals and companies on uh, really shifting them from the uh, linear economy that we find ourselves in to the circular economy that will hopefully build a, a much more sustainable planet and a sustainable world for us going forward. Uh, Ken, it's been amazing talking to you. If someone wanted to reach you, uh, where, where should they find you? Uh, circularityedge.com is a good place to start. You'll be able to uh, find a little bit more about me. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, my, if you search for circular economy, circular economy happens to be my LinkedIn name. So you can see how early I was in the topic to be able to snag the name. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on Uncaged Day, and we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Cheers.